Early this year, the Bridge Radio made a sound piece for the first part of this exhibition. In part one, we met around a meal where we talked about aging and caring for each other within the Radio Collective. In this second part, five people from the Bridge Radio gather in Felleparken in Copenhagen a Sunday afternoon where we shared a meal made by Shakira, a member of the Collective. Our conversation here is based on questions around waiting and aging within the asylum system. Which activities have helped us get through the waiting time and how are we differently affected within the group? How do we meet around these questions on caring for each other across different privileges? Welcome to a conversation on waiting across privileges. So you have been making food? Yeah. Yeah. Can you say a bit about that? <laughs> <laughs> I've been making food, so I normally make food from home and some of the stuffs I make them here. And uh, I have like a community of African people, different countries, Nigeria, Ghana, Congo, Danish and other people, they order food, then I bring it here, then they eat when they are playing with their friends. It's a small community for the people who are who comes here every Sunday, every summer. Okay. Yeah. And we are in Philippagen yeah. in Copenhagen. Yeah. yeah. So you can hear sounds and the, what is the menu today? The menu is the pilau in my language, we call it pilau, the rice and ah, the meat nice. inside. Then there is uh, grilled fish, then uh, we have like spinach and uh, in spinach with the peanut butter inside and the fish inside. Then we have uh, chili from Africa, then we have bananas from Uganda. The Ugandan people, they order it, you can see them, they are full there. <laughs> so we have also cassava, also sometimes I make fufu when they order it. So I make different, different things, yeah. How long have you been waiting for your asylum case to be resolved? 13 years. 13 years? Yes. 12 years, between 12 years and 13 years. <gasps> I didn't wait because I, I have never been in the asylum system. I didn't wait either. No. Yeah. I was waiting for uh, five years. I haven't waited either. I, although I'm a migrant, but I had another access to be here. I was actually, I was waiting for my former partner. So I was waiting for him. And he also got his asylum case rejected in the end. And yeah, it was a long, a long process. But I was not the one, but I was waiting for, for him actually and hoping that it would be, a, that he could stay. Yeah. For me, I think also that waiting time to be in the camp, it's like a trauma into the people who are living in the camps. 
because accordingly I have been in Kasego. Uh, I find the, some people, I found them in the camp, and these people, they have been in the system for 20 years, 18 years. They are really mentally sick. So when you look at waiting time in the camp, it's like killing somebody slowly without getting any solution, nobody's there to help you, you're just a mentally person who's just staying in the camp. So when I look at this, then I ask myself, what is this system? How can we make the system to work very well? How can we make the struggle as we people who have been fighting, help, doing activists, doing a lot of things, how can we make all these things to happen to stop all this trauma for the people in the camps. So I think the waiting time in the camp to ask the question for a person who has been rejected for many times, many times, and he has been trying to reopen his case, I think it's like putting an injection into his brain or in his heart, like you cannot ask that person that question. It's the same when I was in everybody when I asked them the same question they told me we are half dead we are waiting for the next part to be dead mm. so for me I can't ask a person how long have you been waiting how long have you been doing this because it's like you're stabbing that person mm. yeah I don't know maybe I'll see can I ask you a question? For example, like how you was feeling according to Shakira, for example, like how do you feeling as a friend, as a partner working in the same group? How you was feeling you as a person on these waiting times? It was affecting you? Uh, yes, it is affecting me a lot. In and which I way? think I get really sad, but I also get, um, how to say, Magdalene. Like I feel. Powerless. Powerless. Mm. I feel sometimes like, okay, I should be a judge mm. or I should have some other skills than I have. Yeah, I'm thinking this way. How I, can I be of any use here somehow? Mm. That's what I feel. And then I feel ashamed, like crazy because of, of this country and this system. I feel like this is impossible to offer people. This is just horrifying and uh, traumatizing and destructive and but I feel powerless I also hope that by talking about it and being you know being a radio and trying to get these talking and saying this out loud is something that is needed because I also know the strategies of the the government that is to never ask people in the camps of their opinion, of course. I mean, you, you don't hear people in the camps saying anything if you have this, the national reporters. So I also, of course, that's also why I'm within the British radio. Yeah. Which activities help you get through the waiting time within the asylum system? So for me, my strengths, when I was, after my first deportation in Congo, I was corrupt, like I couldn't do anything. 
Then um, from there, I have one of friend of mine. They used to go to trampoline house. Then they, it was women's day, women's club. I, then we went there. Then I just sat. I look at everything what they are doing. I was like, what the fuck is this? What are they doing? I was so confused. Then Tona came and asked me, can I be your friend? I said, of course. Do you need a glass of tea? I said, no, I don't need tea. I don't need anything. Then he said, a glass of wine? I said, yes. That will work. Maybe it can open my brain because my <laughs> brain already was shattered. So from since that time, I started struggling slowly, slowly, making myself to come out of the camp, going out, talking to people. Then I met Nana from the bridge radio. Then we start talking because Nana speaks Swahili a little bit. So we started talking Swahili with her, then we became friends. She could call me, I call her, then I met so so Yagna, a lot of different people I met. We became so close, close friends. Then I I started from there, then I joined the activist. Then uh, that's where my strength gained. When I moved in Shazmak, I said, no, enough is enough. I need to stand up. I need to do something. I need to fight for my own life, for my child. It's time to make myself to realize that now it's time for you to wake up. No time to close yourself inside. Then I started from there. I started doing many things. Counseling women in the camp. I made a, like, a women group in Shelsmark, where women we used to have a, like twice in the month. I should ask Red Cross, like snacks and stuff. Then Christina Musa, she used also to buy some snacks for us. Um, Yagna, it's a lot of groups of girls in Copenhagen. They used to bring cakes and stuff. Some volunteers, lawyers, um, and uh, who else? Catherine and uh, Bridge Radio also, they used to bring some snacks for the women to eat, cola and stuff. Then we could enjoy ourselves. They could speak with some lawyers who can cancel them. And women, they liked that. Now even Amstrop, they're asking me to do that again. But I have to find a group of activists, lawyers of activists, then they can help me to go and talk with women, counseling women and stuff like that. But uh, I've not yet put my energy, but I'm still in process doing that. That's how I'm strong. Continued fighting. Once you have some people who are behind you, then you're strong. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, um, uh, being in the camp, you know, like, in the beginning, like, I was having kind of like a strange feeling, so like, I always kind of like seeing migrants, you know, like crossing border in a boat or something. But I didn't think kind of like I would be myself in this situation. That that is things maybe not gonna happen to me. Always gonna happen to other people. But then I, when I was living in the camp, first I was living in a in a Sweden, in a Sweden camp, and I do remember like I didn't eat for such a long time. And uh, and you know like arts actually for me it was kind of like a therapy, a tool of hope because I do believe that. Art was a tool of bringing me hope, of bringing me, you know, kind of like some lights on my life. Because actually, you know, like hope is a, 
is the things it can make us to stay alive. You know, because we, I mean, the most of the thing I was mainly scared with is just kind of like to dying when I'm still alive. You know, like uh, to don't have a hope anymore, to don't have the meaning of of life or something. You know, like what this means life of being with this negativity all the time, constantly, or like being excluded. You know, arts. When I say art, I mean dancing and painting because I'm I'm a hip hop dancer and I'm also a painter. And uh, you know, like art actually was give me some hope. Which is a bit strange, you know, like what we're talking, you know, like the power of art. I mean, for me, it just means everything. You know, it's a uh, art is my hero. Uh, it's my day's life. It's me as a person. It defines who I am in society, and what things I'm fighting for. It defines who. I will be in the future, actually. So, I mean, art is a, it will save my life to be in the camp because without that, I don't think so, like, I will be alive anymore. But can I ask, you know, like, what about you, you know? Um, what this means for you, Hope? 